I think I started to say this this morning, and I don't know that I uh, completed it. Um, when the cultists came in Wednesday night and started asking questions, once I realized that he was um, trying to subvert the truth in that meeting, I had a choice to make. I could stop him and go on and teach the lesson. I've been in settings like that before. You know, I've, I've been around this all my life. And so I have seen men challenge the preacher or challenge the teacher. And uh, for the sake of keeping to a lesson or for fear of giving the person a platform, uh, the, the leader has said, we're not going to deal with that here in this place. And sometimes that's the appropriate answer because it might not be the appropriate time or place to handle that. If it were a Sunday morning, we would not have done that. That's not the setting. That's not a Bible study. That's the preaching time. It's a, it's a different setting. If that happened in a service like this, we, we would not have a conversation in a setting like this. This is the preaching time. That was a Bible study, and we're interacting with the information. Um, for myself, when I saw what he was doing, I felt like his questions had already the potential to do enough damage that I needed to address it. Um, so that's why I did that. Uh, I know that some people couldn't believe that I spent that much time with him. Uh, some people thought that I should have cut it off sooner. Um, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to make it very clear to everyone that it was in the room that the man was a heretic. All right. And I wanted to give him an opportunity to reveal himself as a heretic by his own rejection of the Word of God. Um, and then thirdly, I wanted you all to see that there are answers to those kinds of challenges. Um, and not to fear. Not to fear. Uh, just in our discipler session, someone asked me a question about a text. And I, sa I had to say, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to have to study that out for you. I'm not sure what that's talking about. Don't ever be afraid to say that because I've never met a cultist that can answer my questions. I've never met them. I've never met one. And why? Because our questions are rooted in the Scriptures and they reject the Scriptures. So they can't answer the questions. Uh, so don't ever be embarrassed if you can't answer a question. Uh, and then secondly, um, if you're dealing with a person one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to approach it differently than I did as a leader in a Bible study. All right? Um, if you listen to that CD, uh, I got loud with him. I, I was harsh with him. I required him to look at the text and to listen to the arguments that we were making. Um, well, that's not what you do in a private conversation. If they won't hear, shake the dust off your feet and walk down the street. That's what Jesus Christ told you to do. Um, when we were living here on Edgewood, down the street here, uh, we had a Jehovah's Witness come to the door, and they always come with a trainer and a trainee. And the trainee was the one that was speaking with me. So I started asking, I think it was a girl, I started asking her questions from the Word of God. And she'd give her trite answer that they'd been programmed to give, and I would demonstrate that that answer wasn't true scripturally. And so after a few minutes, the trainer stepped in, was going to save the day. But the trainer ended up in worse shape than the trainee did, Again, because we have the Word of God. And um, at, at that moment, well, here's what they said. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we need to be getting along. I said, well, I'm not in a hurry. I'll go with you. 
And so I just started walking down the street with them because I didn't want them hitting any more of these doors here on Edgewood Street, you know. And so I just started walking with them. Finally, their van came, picked them up, and they drove away. Um, we have nothing to fear from these people. Amen? But we need to be ready. We need to be ready. So the, the Bible says that we're supposed to be ready to give an answer. We looked this morning, and let's go there again. Go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Now, there might be someone here in the room that is, um, you enjoy study, you've got that gift of the teacher, um, and you would be interested in studying the cults and understanding those things. When I was young, I, I spent a lot of time studying that stuff. Uh, I did a lot of work in comparative religions. I did a lot of work on college campuses. So I was running into different cultists at different times. And uh, so I tried to prepare for that. But what you'll find is there are really only a couple of things that you need to know. You need to be able to explain the Trinity or defend the scriptural position of the Trinity. And you need to know who Jesus Christ is. You need to know what the gospel is. If you have those things down, you can answer any cultist in the world. You don't have to know everything about them. And, of course, the illustration that you all have heard is uh, the, the treasury agents that, that go to find counterfeit currency, they spend their time studying genuine currency to where they know the genuine so well that when they see a counterfeit, they see it immediately. And we ought to know who Jesus Christ is so well that when someone presents a false Jesus, we see it immediately. Amen. Patrick Kennedy said uh, to me, um, he said that I had picked up on it before he did that this guy, what, what this guy was doing. And I said to him, that's because you couldn't see him. As I was watching him, you could see that he wouldn't look at the scriptures, that he wouldn't accept the scriptures. Well, if a person won't accept the scriptures, then they're of the world. Is that what First John 4 said this morning? And so once we, we have confidence in what the word of God says, then we're so uh, much better prepared to give an answer. So Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. I love that. It's, it's excellent. It's excellent. The knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Uh, we just need to know Jesus better, don't we? Amen. So what we're going to look at tonight is I want us to, uh, to demonstrate so well that Jesus Christ is God that we are completely confident and that we have these cross-references written in our Bibles or written down somewhere so that we can take a cultist through the Scriptures and possibly win that person to Jesus Christ. Uh, let me make one more qualifying statement before we dive into the lesson, and it's this. It is possible to lead a Jehovah's Witness or a Way member or a Mormon. It's possible to lead them to Christ. Um, Laura, weren't your grandparents Mormons? Uh, my wife's great-grandparents were Mormons. Um, it, it is possible to lead someone to Christ. How many of you, before you were saved, had some kind of an interaction with you know, Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or anything like this? Is there anyone here in the room who did? Oh, look, several. Several people here did. So... It is possible to lead these people to Christ. Um, answering a cultist like we did Wednesday night, that's not what was going on. He was not a genuine inquirer. He was a subverter. He was someone who had come in to try and destroy Christians' lives. 
Um, so I was the old sheepdog. You know, what I was doing was I was, uh, and, and without my gel, I really am a, a sheepdog. Um, me and Josh Spicer, we got that same thing going, right? With the, yeah. So what, what I, <laughs> he is so quick. Every time I can't get this kid, he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, what, we're, we're going after those wolves, you know, those wolves that are trying to sneak in. We're going to get them, right? We're going to run them out. And so that's what this is. This is to help you lead someone to Christ, and then if you have to run a wolf out, it's to help you to be able to do that. So let's look at these attributes of God and the correlating attribute of Jesus Christ. We get Psalm 90 and Micah 5. Psalm 90 and Micah 5. All right, Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth, and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Boy, I love that verse. Isn't that a great verse? So God, from everlasting to everlasting, before uh, the, the mountains were brought forth, God, everlasting to everlasting. Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Amen? So the Bible says that about God, and then it says it about the Lord Jesus Christ, who then must be God. All right, that's our first one. Look at Isaiah 44, 6. Get Isaiah 44 and Revelation 1. Look at Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. I'll tell you what, if you want to know something about the character, the nature of God, read Isaiah, say, chapter 40 through chapter 50. You'll learn so much about who God is through that because of the statements that He makes. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. He's the first and the last. Go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. And when I saw Him, I fell at His feet as dead. And He laid His right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I love verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Then he tells John, write the things which thou hast seen. Do you think John started writing? <laughs> that, is, that is Jesus Christ. The Bible says of God in Isaiah 44, 6, that he's the first and the last. It says of Jesus that he's the first and the last. Demonstrating, of course, that Jesus Christ is God. All right. Jeremiah 23 and Ephesians 4. Jeremiah 23 and Ephesians 4. How many of you have come into one of these sessions with a new Bible with uh, sticky pages? That's a bummer, isn't it? All right. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? And that's God's omnipresence, right? 
He's everywhere. He filleth all things. So now look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. Speaking of Christ again, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that He might fill all things. That's Jesus. God fills all things. Jesus fills all things. Therefore, Jesus is God. All right. Then get uh, Malachi 3.6, Malachi 3.6 and Hebrews 13. All right, Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. All right, so Lord, God, He doesn't change. Isn't that wonderful? It doesn't, he doesn't change. How many of you would say that people change? Right? Uh, look at Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. He is not going to change. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. Jesus is God. Then, look at Exodus, chapter 6. Exodus 6, 3. In Revelation chapter 1, Exodus 6, 3. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, by my name Jehovah, was I not known to them. All right? So he is Jehovah. Jehovah. Uh, and you see that? God Almighty. By the name God Almighty. All right? Look at Revelation Chapter 1, verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now look, Almighty, what is that? That's all mighty. That means that all of the power, that's God. And he, so there, there's only one. Is that right? So if it says it of God the Father and it says it of Jesus Christ, Jesus is God. There's one God. And He's Almighty. He's Almighty. I love that. That is so cool. He is Almighty God. Um, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28? All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. What is that? Almighty. That's Almighty. That's Jesus Christ. Look at Deuteronomy 32 and John 14. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. He is truth. He's the rock. Now, of course, do you see the capitalized rock there? When you see rock in the book of Deuteronomy, we understand that for the hearers there, they're seeing God. Is that right? We know it's talking about Jesus. The New Testament says Jesus was that rock. So we, we know that. But look with me at John chapter 14 and verse 6. It's a verse that you know very well. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So in Deuteronomy 32, was it verse 4? Yeah, 32, 4, he is truth. In John 14, 6... He's truth. There's one God. 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is demonstrating that what the Bible says about God is true of Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah 44 and Colossians 1. You glad you get to know this, God? Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretched forth the heavens alone, that spread abroad the earth. Look at what it says. Would you mark that last, those last two words? By myself. All right. Go to Colossians. Chapter 1. Look at verse 16. For by him, this is speaking of Christ, verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. That's awesome. God created all things. Jesus created all things. That means that Jesus is God. All right. Look at uh, 1 Timothy 6 and Revelation 19. 1 Timothy 6, Revelation 19. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15. Which in his times... He shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Look at verse 14. Thou that keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. So this is speaking of God the Father. All right, you see that? This is speaking of God the Father. Go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 16. And hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. God the Father is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. That means that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Uh, look at Psalm 145 and Daniel 7. All right, Psalm 145, 13. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Okay, now, let me say this. Um... One of the things that becomes difficult, uh, not difficult, but just something that needs to be pointed out to us, when we read that passage in Psalms, we immediately know that's talking about Jesus, right? How many of you recognize that that's talking about Jesus? Well, most people don't know that. You have to get in it. And I promise you, the cultist doesn't know that. So this in the Old Testament is talking about God. We get that. It's talking about God. Look at Daniel chapter 7. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days and 
they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. This is talking about God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. Or we understand the distinction in the New Testament. But God's kingdom being established in Psalm 145. And here, this is obviously Jesus Christ's return and his kingdom being established. All right? Um, everlasting dominion. Then look at Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians 5. All right, Romans 14, 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. All right. Look at um, Psalm 83 and Philippians 2. All right. Psalm 83, 18. That men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah, art the Most High over all the earth. All right, go with me to Philippians 2.9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So it says that men may know that thou, Jehovah, whose name alone, Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Now God has given Jesus Christ a name that's above every name. That's a pretty cool thing. Jesus Christ's name is Jehovah God. Isn't that wonderful? Look at Isaiah 40 and Revelation 22. Isaiah 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. Look at Revelation twenty-two twelve. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to according as his work shall be. All right, so He comes with His reward just as God in the Old Testament. Jesus is God. Look at uh, 1 John 4, 8. 1 John 4, 8 and John 15, 9. All right, 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God is love. John 15, Verse 9, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. God is love. Jesus is love. They're the same. One and the same. Um, look with me at John 1, 5. 
and 1 John 1, 5. All right, we'll start with 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light in him is no darkness at all. Look at John 1, verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, Jesus Christ is the light. If you look at verse 9, that was that true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus Christ is the light, but the Bible says God is light. So, if Jesus is light, God is light, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Then, Jesus is our hope. He's our hope. Look at Psalm 39, 7. Psalm 39, and also Titus, chapter 2. All right, Psalm 39, verse 7. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. My hope is in Thee. The Lord God, look at Titus, chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is everyone's God, whether they acknowledge it or not, but He's our Savior. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. Uh, Then He takes away death. Look at Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25 and 2 Timothy 1. Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of His people shall He take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 10. But now, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. God will abolish death. Isaiah, Jesus Christ will abolish death. Now, of course, we understand Isaiah 25. Who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Look at um, every knee is going to bow. Isaiah 45 and Philippians 2. Isaiah 45, verse 23. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. All right? So that's God speaking. We understand Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the bow before God, the bow before Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Then look at Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 and 1 John 1. Isaiah 43, look at verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions 
for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. I even, I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sins. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, of course, we understand that all those pastors in the Old Testament, they're all pointing forward to Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Because Jesus is God. When these cultists say the Bible doesn't teach that Jesus is God, they are just completely wrong. They're either deceived or they are deceivers or both. We need to be ready to answer them. Then, he calms the sea. He calms the sea. Look at Psalm 107 and Matthew 8. Psalm 107:29. I love this one. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Isn't that good? You know that the disciples, when Jesus Christ calmed the sea, they were amazed. These guys knew their Old Testament. They should have made that connection. Isn't that right? God calms the seas. Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 26. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. That's God. That's God. Anybody here able to calm the seas? You know, it's interesting. If you've never seen the seas, you don't really get this. When you've seen the sea, then you get it. And you get it. And have anybody here? I know some of you have all been on ships. How many of you have been on a ship out in the ocean? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little different than a bathtub, isn't it? Yeah, that's God. That's our God. Then, He prepares the heavenly city. He prepares the heavenly city. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and John 14. Look at Hebrews eleven sixteen. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. See that? God has prepared it. You all know where we're going, John 14. And I hope you recognize, we're not even scratching the surface. Let not your heart be troubled, John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. God is preparing. Jesus is preparing. Why? Because Jesus is God. Look at Galatians 1 and 2 Peter 3. Galatians 1, 4 and 5. Speaking of Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Second Peter three eighteen. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. God the Father receives glory. God the Son receives glory. 
and God will not share His glory with another. These are just a few of the cross-references that we can use to prove that the attributes of God, the things that are true about God, are also true about God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So if anybody ever tells you that the Bible never says that Jesus Christ is God, they're either completely ignorant or they're lying to you. We have the evidence on our side. We can't be proud of it, but I'll tell you what, I am pretty proud of the Bible that God gave us. Amen. I don't boast in anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much for your word.